0: When we look at the, the, the dogma of the most holy trinity, dogma being a teaching of the church that, that must be believed, the, the teaching of the holy trinity is the most central teaching of the church, we're told, because it's sort of the, from which everything else comes, right? I mean, it, it, it involves the very nature of God himself. It expresses that God is three persons in one divine Godhead. Three persons, co-equal, and all God. This is a great mystery, and it's a mystery that uh, many theologians have tried to express. It's important to remember that theologians have tried to not completely explain the Trinity because how could we completely explain God? If we could ex- completely explain God, we might then argue that he isn't God, right? We can completely explain certain things in our, our orbit, in, our, in nature or, you know, phenomena, phenomena in this world, but how could we explain something, someone who is perfect and infinite while we are imperfect and finite? So the theologians, though, they've tried to explain sort of what it is like that God is a trinity. And in more recent years, the the focus has been to say, okay, if we are created in the image and likeness of God, the human person, then we can know things about God because of our experience, what it means to be human. Which isn't to say that our experience as human persons could ever fully explain God, but it can tell us something about God. And I'd like to focus on that today. So from all of eternity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit exist. And traditionally we say that the Father loves the Son perfectly, and the Son loves the Father perfectly, and the love because it is perfect, just like the Father and the Son, the love has existence, and it has perfect existence. And so therefore, we say, the love between the Father and the Son is the third person of the Blessed Trinity. Now, consider then this nature of God, these three persons existing together, bound together by love. They're co-equal but it's love that binds them together. Well, if we look at the human family, and and this can be somewhat difficult because there's all sorts of different families, you know, um, single-parent families and and, uh, uh, divorced and remarried families and and then, you know, your, your common mom and dad family with the children. But what we can understand about God comes from our experience as a family, imperfectly, but in a family, you have a father who loves a mother, right? And that love is naturally fruitful insofar as it brings forth children. And the children are the fruit of the love that exists between the husband and the wife, or the father and the mother. And so families, then, are to be like God. They are like God, and because we're christians we try to be more and more like god who is perfectly loving so within a family um, the father tries to love the mother the husband tries to love his wife as perfectly as possible and the wife tries to return that love as perfectly as possible of course we know we always fall short we often fall short and children also are called to love their parents we, we, we often hear about this just as far as the command, you know, all you children listening at home, you know, it's probably the one commandment you always remember because your parents remind you, honor your father and mother. Number four, well, but why does God give us a command? He doesn't give us a commandment merely that we obey, but that we remember we are to love. All of the commandments point us toward lovingness, and so, children, the reason you would obey your parents is because you love them. Husbands, the reason you ought to cherish your wife is because of your deep love for her. The reason you, you should seek to keep your, your wife and your children safe is because of your love for them. And Wives, of course, are being co-equal with their husbands, returning that love, right? Seeking to 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 be respectful, seeking to trust your husbands. This can be very difficult, oftentimes, uh, for for wives to trust their husbands. And trust has to be earned. There's no doubt. It's it's always this two-way street. Right? It's always this two-way street. But ultimately, what we're after is our motivation to be love. The reason we seek to to be in union with one another is love. And and that isn't just about the family unit the nuclear family but it's also a community so uh, the church is a community when we talk about saint thomas More church it's not the building it is a building but the church the people of god are all of us we are the family of saint thomas More, and so as a family um we seek to be a family in love. We don't seek to tear each other down or, or create dissension. We seek to be loving. And, and this can be hard, right? And I'm very well aware of this. Also, being your father, you don't really get to pick your father. But who does? You never get to pick your father as a child. And as parishioners, you don't get to pick your father either. The father is given to you. We, we hope um, that the Father, right, is given to you because of the providence of God. But this can be difficult too. How do we trust our Father? Will he provide for us, right? Um, will he exercise his authority out of lovingness? And I can say to you that this is always my goal, is to make decisions to teach you, to provide the sacraments. Why? It's, on, it's to love you. It's to love you. And sometimes decisions a father makes are difficult because he knows that the decisions can be upsetting. And you know you're walking right into it. I'm sure all you fathers out there know exactly what I mean. When you know you have to make a decision, And not only your kids are going to be upset, but even your wife as well. But nonetheless, it's your decision to make, and and you know it's for their good. You know it's out of love. But that's part of what a father does. A father makes the best decisions he can because he loves, seeks to protect. And he hopes, you know, that in the long run, people look back and they say, well, he really was doing what was best. You you hope and you trust. And as as parishioners, you know, the, the priest always hopes that you give him the benefit of the doubt, you know, that you say, well, maybe he's seeing things that we don't see. Maybe he has other considerations we don't know. But is he trying to be loving? It really comes back to that. Now let's move more, Macro, even larger, right? Zoom out even more and say, "Look at our society." And we hear in the the reading we we had today from from Paul about the need to cherish one another, the need to do good for one another, the need to be loving for one another. Um, it can be frustrating to look at our culture and and say, how do I contribute? How do I move the ball forward? How do we, you know, right here at St. Thomas More in our community, how do we help fix anything? And it almost seems like so often we're set up for failure because the demands that some people make for what it would mean that we're helping are sometimes things we can't give. And sometimes they are things that nobody could give. What we can do is we can love those in our midst. We can love the person uh, at the drive-thru. We can love the person at, at the grocery store. We can, we can love the person um, at church that we don't really know, right, that we can introduce ourselves to. It's the simple things. I think it's the simple things. It's the everyday, how can I just be kind how can I give the benefit of the doubt to somebody I don't know and just be kind? Well, Father, not you know, not everybody out there is kind. I know. I know. But we can still choose kindness. And what's interesting too is I I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've had the experience before where maybe I was kind of grumpy, which happens, or I was in a, I don't know, I was tired or a bad mood. You know how it is. And and you go into a, a situation and um, initially, you have sort of a negative emotion. You're bringing a negativity toward it. Not that you wanna do anybody harm, but, but maybe you're impatient or sour in some way, a sour disposition, and then you recognize it. In that moment, you recognize it and you say, oh, you know, pull yourself out of it, and you do. And you turn it around, you become positive, You become loving, you become kind, and the entire situation changes with that other person. It's amazing how much we can affect those around us in these little ways just by choosing kindness and goodness and allowing ourselves not to live in in that negativity. And there's so much negativity. And we look at our country and there's still so much good I think there's still so much goodness. We look out right now and, and the news and, and the media is trying to tell us how awful things are. I don't know, I mean, I, like some of you, I've lived in, in another country and I wouldn't go back there if I could choose it, not to live. And all the countries I've visited in Europe, I would never choose to live there. I think there's a lot of good in our country, a lot of good people. And the more that we can share that goodness and that kindness, the more that we're going to improve our country for the better. So we can learn about God because of our own relationships. And God is teaching us something about our relationships, that the goal is this lovingness, this kindness, this goodness that we can bring to the situation if we choose.